the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two is underway now at nine minutes past ten o'clock. Let's use this half hour as our free for all Friday segment because uh, I've got Christina Hagen waiting in the wings for political commentary coming up at ten thirty-five. So right now, why don't you hit me up at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten? It is a Friday, the twenty-first morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord twenty twenty-one. So let's use this free for all right now. I've got Hamas stories and the ceasefire, the phony ceasefire quite frankly, uh, because I talked about this earlier, uh, I happen to agree with the fact that if Hamas has rockets, then this is only a temporary short-term truce. If Hamas has rockets, they will fire them. If Iran continues to fund them and arm them, they will use them. You want to talk about that? We can. You want to talk about forced vaxxing? We can. You want to talk about masking? We can. You want to talk about the Biden administration flying illegal alien children into American cities in the dead of night, hoping to not be spotted? Can you believe that? From local WRCB-TV in Tennessee, Chattanooga's Wilson Air Center is receiving planes carrying migrant children who are being bused then to multiple southeastern cities during the overnight hours. Biden is trying to eliminate the massive numbers of people being held in detention facilities in border states by in the dead of night under the cover of darkness, sending those people to other places and then saying, what are you talking about? What crisis? What crisis? Look at There's not many people even in these facilities right now. This is, this is an impeachable offense as far as I'm concerned. You want to talk about that? We can certainly do that. There are multiple reports of that in other cities as well, in some states telling him, do not even try it. They are not welcome here. 
Not because we are not a welcoming people, but we are believers in the rule of law. It is unacceptable and, in my mind, impeachable for the Biden administration to facilitate a mass migration under cover of darkness without governors, uh, state representatives, and the citizens and the people of these states uh, knowing and approving. It is unbelievable. You want to talk about critical race theory, as I described it earlier, we can do that. Georgia, by the way, the latest state. Governor Brian Kemp in Georgia yesterday joined this growing group of Republicans that are bashing critical race theory and saying they will not allow it to be taught in public schools in their states. That is great news. Keep the pressure up. Nearly a dozen states so far want to ban critical race theory, according to CBS. That's got to grow. From nearly a dozen to four dozen, that would put us at 48, and then we would still have two to go. But that is what has to happen. National Review wrote a great piece today uh, headlined, A Welcome Backlash Against Critical Race Theory. It is welcome because critical race theory is being promoted as being some sort of necessary scientific social justice. They are literally calling it science. They are literally claiming that uh, there have always been oppressors and the oppressed, and the oppressors have their that in their DNA. They literally are blaming or including science in their argument. And, and calling for social justice reform in the form of critical race theory to flip the script. Equality no longer the goal. Payback. Vengeance. That's the goal. So, so much to get into. Whatever you want to do, it is an open lines free-for-all Friday right now. Let's go to uh, Brian, who's calling us from Shaker. Brian, thanks for joining us. You're on the air. Go right ahead, sir. Hi, Bob. We can add a Republican to the list of elected officials who need to go up. Uh, I was at the event where, where you were last night, and uh-huh. a fellow att- attendee told me that he privately asked Dave Joyce about a recent vote and was told to duck off, except for he didn't use the word duck. <laughs> I didn't hear that exchange. There was a very public exchange last night between one of the speakers, whose name I don't know. He's a friend of Mario's, and he's a f- founder of uh, the Ride a Ride with 45, I think it is, group called, a motorcycle group in support of President Trump. And he was speaking about the January 6th commission vote to create a, you know, 9-11 style commission for the uh, Capitol riot on January 6th. And Dave Joyce was in the room and the speaker mentioned there are two Ohio congressmen who voted with the Democrats to create this commission, believing, of course, that this is going to be an attempt to blame Donald Trump, even though they impeached him for this and he was acquitted. But it's going to be an attempt by this commission to blame Donald Trump and his supporters for an attempted insurrection. Well, those two Ohio congressmen are shock Anthony Gonzalez, who voted to impeach Trump, and Dave Joyce. Dave Joyce was called out in that meeting. I did not hear the exchange you talked about when you said blank off. I saw a respectful disagreement of the uh, situation, but at one point you probably saw Dave Joyce go to the microphone, and and, uh, he stated very short. He did not really answer the question. He stated very quickly and abruptly that the Capitol Hill police was in no position whatsoever to defend against any type of uh, onslaught like that, and he wants to find out why, that his his motivation for voting yes for a commission isn't necessarily to pass blame to Trump, but why wasn't the National Guard there? Why wasn't uh, other forces there in addition to the Capitol Police, which was overwhelmed? So that was the only exchange that I saw regarding this last night. 
You still um, there? Okay. You finished? Yeah, I just, Brian, anything else yeah, I mean, to, I, to respond? I am, here, I, I am hearing it secondhand, so, um, but it, but what, but, um, well, I'll tell you what. Let me let me let me take it from here, Brian. Because and I thank you for the phone call. I, I'll tell you this. I'm going to try to have Dave Joyce on. I haven't had Dave Joyce on the air for about four years because, quite frankly, Dave Joyce is not my favorite member of Congress. I don't have anything against him personally. I think he's a nice man. He was at my table last night at the speaker's table with Jim Renacci and with uh, 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 Dave Joyce and with Mike Gibbons, candidate for Senate. Uh, and a couple of other couples I met for the first time uh, uh, last night, uh, and so you know we talked and it was very cordial. There wasn't a, it wasn't a time to get into a debate at the table. We were listening to speakers, but I will tell you this: I think he's a very nice man. I don't necessarily think he is a strong conservative. I think he is much more rhino than he is not. Uh, and he and I can debate on that, but it's been about four years since I've had him on because the last times that I have had him on, it's been contentious because we don't agree. And that will be the case this time if I have them on, because I do not agree with the need for this commission. This commission is going to be run by Democrats, and any report that it files is going to blame Donald Trump for inciting an insurrection, which he clearly did not do, and for Republican uh, white supremacy groups guiding and, and planning and plotting that uh, attack on the Capitol. It will completely whitewash any relevant... Um, information that would point to Antifa or Black Lives Matter being agents provocateur in that event that indeed encouraged what happened. Uh, It is going to be an attempt to just bash Trump and Republicans and Trump voters. And I do not believe it's it's, uh, creation, this January 6th commission, is warranted or necessary. It is partisan, and 35 Republicans went along with the Democrats so that they could then uh, say that it is bipartisan. It is not. Those 35 Republicans have no interest whatsoever in actual bipartisanship. They are just not conservatives looking to stick it to a man they did not like, which is Donald Trump. Let's go to uh, TJ in Cleveland. Hey, TJ, go ahead. Yeah, hi, Bob. You know, Bob, I listened to Geraldo the other night, and, you know, the man got me so mad I have to turn, you know, the station. Yeah. You know, and I'm tired of this guy bragging constantly about how many wars he's covered since 73 as a journalist. Yeah, I'd like to too. tell you, Mr. Rivera, covering the war as a journalist is not the same as fighting in a war. And I remember a journalist in 68 named Walter Cronkite that covered a Tet Offensive in Vietnam. And I tell you this, Bob, not from a journalist, but somebody that actually fought in that Tet. We annihilated the enemy in that offensive. We broke their back. This journalist come home to America with a false narrative that we kind of lost the battle and the best we could hope for is a stalemate. And that changed the perception of the American people. And most importantly, it changed the perception of a defeated enemy. And then that war went on to last for over five more years. How much blood was on the hands of this journalist, Walter Cronkite, of Vietnamese and American uh, uh, soldiers? And Geraldo Rivera is no different. He aids and abets the enemy, just like Cronkite did back in 68. The man, in the words of Daffy Duck, is despicable. I couldn't disagree, or could not agree with you more. I would not disagree with a single word. He is exact, and thank you, TJ, for that call. He is exactly that. And like I said, the idea that Fox keeps putting him on is incomprehensible to me. It really is. 
He's famous. Everybody knows him. Going Not for great reasons, by the way. Whether you want to talk about the Al Capone thing or you want to talk about the TV show in which he had, he would put up uh, neo-Nazi groups with Holocaust survivors on the, on the same stage and then not expect a, a, a brawl to erupt. Remember he wore, wore that stupid face uh, bandage for so long there with his broken nose? The guy is, a, is, a, is an embarrassment to journalism. And quite frankly, to punditry. He's no longer even valid as a pundit. Uh, and for him to go on there and do exactly what you just said, aid and abet Hamas, publicly try to sway American support against Israel and in favor of Hamas, saying Hamas is seen as heroic to the Palestinian people. You have to understand that. And I love that Brian Kilmeade just put him right in his place when he said, yeah. I'm sure uh, uh, the uh, the Palestinian people are really proud as they walk around in the rubble and the dead bodies caused by Hamas. Really glad that they also provide Red Cross services. I mean, the man is a joke. And like I said, I, I have for the last, I've been doing this show six years now, I have resisted any in you know any uh, impulse that i have had to criticize this guy because he's also on cleveland radio and i don't want to make it look like a competitive thing or a ratings thing or a whatever thing but i will tell you this i can't stay silent anymore when i see him on television being anti-semitic when i see him criticizing israel's response to uh hamas and islamic jihad aggression and palestinian aggression when i hear him saying that this is equal combatants that this is just age-old conflicts because the two sides hate each other it is not that at all and when i hear that kind of stuff now i'm i'm giving into my impulses and i'm going to criticize him the fact that he is still on fox much less has a radio program or anything else that anybody is listening to this cartoonish imbecile this buffoon is um it's incomprehensible to me uh, but I am glad that Bongino took him down. I'm glad that uh, uh, I'm glad that uh, Brian Kilmeade took him down. And every time he is on, I hope they put. I hope the producers at Fox News at least never give him a solo segment, never a one-on-one interview. Always put him with somebody who can tear him to ribbons, which, by the way, isn't that hard because he's a very, very shallow man. Ten twenty-one. Right back after this. Remind you again to get to uh, the website. Vote yes on hb248.com. That's the name of the website. Vote yes on hb248.com. All spelled out just like that. The goal, of course, is to get this to the House floor for a vote, and we need all kinds of support from all kinds of members of the Ohio State House. There is about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way down the page, a section on uh, this, this page called HB 248, Call to Action. Proponent testimony is needed immediately for House Bill 248. You can submit that written testimony online. You've got to do it by Tuesday, because on Tuesday the committee will begin to hear testimony. They're only going to allow around 15 people to give uh, live testimony, so the rest of it has to be written. And we have some 400 people who have done it, we need 4,000 people to do it. Overwhelm the state house, please. And share this with friends in Ohio in districts all over the place. If you've got people in Cincinnati, send this to them. you got people in Toledo, in Youngstown, in Columbus, or I don't care where, send this to them. We need thousands 
to submit their testimony as to why they support 248 and they oppose vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, and discrimination against people who choose not to take the jab. This is crucial. BJ's in North Olmstead. Hi, BJ. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Hi, Robert. Uh, a couple quick things. Uh, one is on June 17th, uh, you've spoken about the mafia and the nastiness of that mob. A movie's coming out. It'll be in Mayfield on July 17th, Michael Eric movie, and it's somewhat anti-mafia. I play the grandfather in that movie, and I think you'll find it interesting. Wait, 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 uh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second here. You are in a movie about the mafia or an anti-mafia movie? It's called Connected. Connected. And it's about my young grandson who grows up and gets a little bit involved with uh, the bad side of life, and the grandfather warns him to stay away from those people. They're bad people. And uh, their family happens to be Italian, but they're working uh, in the construction business. They're on the sunny side of doing things honestly in life. And uh, it's very interesting. It was very well done. Michael's put a lot of time into it, and it's going to be in Mayfield. As it gets closer, I'll call you and give you the... Uh, yeah, data. you better. I, it, what's, it, what's it called? It's called Connected. Connected, uh, uh, it's okay. On, if you look up Michael Eric, I think on Facebook, they've got a uh, uh, trailer on there, and uh, it'll be on June 17th, the grand opening. It was uh, released in Europe. Uh, and I understand it won a prize over there. I'm not sure exactly what it was. My part is not all that large, but it's, uh, it kind of revolves around what the uh, grandfather's advice he gives to his grandson about staying away from the bad people, the evil people, and being an honest person. All right. And, I, and a lot of Clevelanders I just pulled it up, cast. BJ. Yeah, I just pulled it up. I see it on IMDb. It's called Connected. Uh, the story of Gennaro Costelli, a young man growing up in a neighborhood that is controlled by the mafia. Despite the teachings of his family and church, he's tempted by the extravagant and, and I'll stop there. But all right, cool. That's that's great. Definitely let yeah. me know when that's coming to Mayfield. Yeah, my name is on that list also. It's under BJ and the last name. <laughs> that's so, great. Um, yeah, that thanks is, for giving me that time. No, but thank I'd you. Like to bring, I'd like to bring attention to what you've been doing and and just look at the change in 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 the outlook of things that are taking place from when they were a year ago. And the next step that the Biden administration is going to pull to test the American public beside the mask thing is going after the weapons to see how the public's going to react to that. And that I have a I do have a lot of fear about when that takes place because I don't think the American public is going to be as tolerant as they have been with the mask. Well, uh I would certainly expect not, uh, and thank you, BJ, for that info, too, uh, or for that commentary. I appreciate the call. I'm going to get to our news here. I would expect that they would not, uh, and I would actually suggest that I don't think the American public has even accepted the masks as much as the media wants you to believe that they have. They're louder, and they're more vocal, but I don't think they're majority. I think the majority of Americans are the silent majority, a little bit afraid to speak out, but have never been in support of masks, and millions of us who have never worn them either. So I, uh, I'm gonna hope, I'm gonna hope 
that what you're saying is true that uh, you know that uh, when they come for the weapons we certainly push back against that more than we have the masks but I'm not even convinced that there's a majority against or that are for the masks and by the way I see your name now on the cast on IMDB for connected very very cool BJ all right it's news time now and on the other side we'll, we're going to talk to Christina Hagan political commentary from Christina the former state representative uh, then more of your phone calls still to come on 1420 the answer Okay, 1037 now. Let's get right back into it on AM 1420, The Answer on this Friday. If you are on hold, stay there. I'll come to you after we talk to our regular Friday guest at this hour, political commentary now, from our friend Christina Hagan, former Ohio State representative. Uh, Christina, good Friday to you. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing, Bob? I'm I'm great. Thank you. Uh, So much to get into, and I appreciate uh, the opportunity to chat with you last night virtually, uh, talking about uh, topics for this morning. And I'm going to go a little out of order here from what we discussed, though. I want to first talk about Hamas and, more specifically, what it says about uh, our country that members at the highest levels of our government in in uh, uh, in the United States Congress and there are some of them on in both chambers, as a matter of fact, the House side and the Senate side, that have been very vocal in support of Hamas. Now, they try to couch that as being in support of Palestinians and the Palestinians' rights um, uh, to not be killed by Israeli fire and so on and so forth. And we have to stop sending $700 million uh, worth of weapons to Israel and all of these, or maybe it was billion, I don't even know, and all of these different things um, saying that Israel is the problem. Problem here. Israel is the aggressor. Um, we all know what is going on because it has been going on since, you know, specifically against Israel as a nation state since 1948 when they were uh, recognized as such. But uh, long beyond that, um, this is disputed territory, but Israel is not disputed as a nation state. How and why can the United States have members of our of our Congress publicly giving aid and comfort? Because that's what I think it is. Because their words travel around the globe, and including to uh, Palestinian ears or Arab ears or Muslim ears in the uh, uh, in the Middle East, and they hear America splintered about who to support here. I think that emboldens them. Do you? Yeah, it's absolutely shocking that we would have American elected officials essentially siding with terrorism and the attack of a sovereign nation, our ally, and Israel. Um, it's it's shocking to me that our nation's, nation's leaders went from pushing for a peaceful two-state solution uh, to n- denouncing our ally Israel while parroting terrorist propaganda in less than half a year. I mean, we went from uh, peace deals in the Middle East to now having active members of the Democrat Party siding with Hamas terrorism and essentially uh, breaking down everything that we've built over the last several decades uh, to understand that we are allies. Um, with those who are vulnerable. And it's amazing to me um, that they're calling for a ceasefire, suggesting that there's a moral equivalency here. Israel was attacked by over 3,000 rockets targeting civilians, Israeli civilians, and there is no equivalency. This was a response. Um, it's, it's shocking to me. It's disturbing to me, but it is a sign of the time. Um, the fact that a Biden administration is responsive to this extreme contingency and his own party uh, should be scary for all Americans. Um, but I think, you know, again, this is going to be brought to the voters in less than two years, and hopefully we take our country back to a same point of, of providing for and supporting our allies like Israel and the sovereign nation's right to protect themselves from terrorism. 
Is it is it time to recognize publicly and call out liberal Democrats um, as being anti-Semites? Because Dennis Prager says this all the time. You cannot oppose the rights of Israel to exist and not oppose the rights of Jews to exist. That the, if you are anti-Israel, you are by definition anti-Jew. You are an anti-Semite. They all argue against that and say, no, that's not true. This is all about an equitable, uh, equitable distri- distribution of land and two states and so on and so forth. But if you don't defend their rights to exist, then you literally are an, an anti-Semite. And I, I really feel like we need to make them wear that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It should have been and has been, I think, a discussion, um, but not a frontline discussion uh, for the past several years. Um, we have been discussing that. We have been highlighting their um, anti-Jewish rhetoric, and yet it's just not been frontline. But I think we're going to see that come to the front of public discussion as it should be. Um, it's horrific. It's Heartbreaking what we've seen in Israel. I can't imagine for a moment an American city being under attack in the same way and then our ally defending and standing with our enemy that's attacking our sovereign nation. Uh, they absolutely should be called to the line for their disgusting um, abuse of their power in the United States and allying with terrorist forces. Should we also point out the connection here between Hamas, a, a, you know, Arab terror group, along with the Islamic Jihad, also part of the attackers there, and Black Lives Matter, which has been called a terror group in the United States by many, including many in our Congress. And I'm not talking about the idea that black, we don't have to get into it all, all the time, that Black Lives Matter, of course they do, but Black Lives Matter, Inc., the Marxist organization that they are, um, made a statement. They issued a statement to the press saying they are they stand in solidarity with Hamas. They stand in solidarity with uh, the Arabs and Palestinians and those who are responsible for launching these horrific attacks on Jews in Israel. Um, that that also says a lot. You know, there's something about the company you keep. It's something, it's something about, you know, those with whom you have friendly relations. It speaks to who you are. And these two organizations uh, apparently are in lockstep. Oh, absolutely. I mean, these leaders, um, the squad and company, their rep- the representative's words to the Muslim Brotherhood amounted to tacit support of a U.S. designated foreign terrorist organization. So we are in compliance with them. The same thing happened, and it's paralleled with Black Lives Matter, uh, destroying peace in our streets, destroying peace there. Um, they want the holy war to exist on all fronts, and they want to destroy all this that is sovereign and good. Um, and really, it boils down to them wanting to wipe away all civility and destroy any race um, Israel. Um, they want to destroy any race Israel. They want to destroy any race our way of life as well. And it cannot be permitted. Um, and there are going to be profound implications if Democrat leaders maintain their silence against this contingency of their party taking the front line and leading the discussion. Um, they need to push back quickly, quickly and forcefully on this dangerous rhetoric that is being broadcast broadcast across Twitter and everywhere else. Um, And, you know, they will play the race card on every front. And the sad part is we know that there are black and brown and white people in Israel. So it's all really a juvenile attempt to get people following them and um, taking on this belief that Israel is not an ally and that all Palestinians are good. Um, and that's fine, but they can't separate Hamas and what they have done and the attack that they have launched on Israel. And so there will always be confusion perpetuated by the squad and people like them because their end goal is never peace. It's to destroy what is sovereign. 
That is exactly right. We're talking to Christina Hagan, State Representative. Since you used the words race card, let's use that as a loose segue to our next topic, which is Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Um, what a piece of work. Um, we, we know we have seen her hypocrisy during the pandemic as she has locked down the city of Chicago, as the state of Illinois was locked down on so many others. You can't go here, there, or anywhere. But, of course, she went and got her hair done at a salon and proclaimed that because she's the mayor, she's the face of Chicago, and she takes her appearance very seriously as the face uh, of Chicago. Um now comes a word, and she has not denied it. In fact, she defended it and said it is the right policy. She will not do one-on-one interviews if uh, with reporters, depending on how they look. If they have light skin, she will deny the interview request. If they have brown or black skin, as she describes it, she will grant the interview request. Open racism from a black gay mayor of the city of Chicago, literally just telling people, if you are white, I want nothing to do with you. Can somebody tell me how, can you tell me rather, Christina Hagan, how this promotes unity and, and uh, positivity in Chicago and in the country? Oh, it's, it's horrifying, appalling, and has no intentions of creating unity. I mean, these people will do anything to destroy um, the cities in which they represent. And one of the quotes I saw from her that probably was the most appalling was this. I have been struck since my first day on the campaign trail back in 2018 by the overwhelming whiteness and maleness of Chicago media outlets, editorial boards, the political press corps, and yes, the city hall press corps specifically, she wrote in an open letter. And so I guess when we have a mayor of a major city who institutes systemic discrimination policy, yet is blinded by her own discrimination, her own racism, I don't know how a country can heal. And the left sees racism everywhere we turn. It doesn't matter if it's Dr. Seuss. It doesn't matter if it's a common interaction. They see it everywhere except where it actually is, and they are deploying it. Yet all of America turns the cheek because this woman happens to be a gay black leader. And so it's just, it's utterly disturbing. I mean, her own policies are so absurd that if she applied them to her own home life, she would not see her partner, who is a white person, um, yet she has this <laughs> blind racism in her own community. And so I just, it's honestly a heartbreaking situation because you don't know where people could get to such an illogical point, illogical point in their lives. But the good news is um, we did see some pushback from the press. Um, I actually saw that a um, an interview that was granted was rejected because of this radical and blatant racism. By a Latino play. reporter, by somebody who would be in her favored class. He said, if you don't lift this ban on my white colleagues, I'm not doing this interview either. I saw that same thing, and that is very encouraging. Exactly, and that's, you know, maybe we're getting to the point where these this blatant racism and division is so grotesque that the people who originally embraced it and emboldened it can no longer stand it. And so maybe we are getting to a boiling point where, you know, they have to realize there's no point of return. We either draw the line or this is who we are now as a country. And we promoted it. So I was, I was definitely pleased to see that pushback, but it is sickening and unbelievable. And she just uh, essentially doubled down after the pushback um, a lot. A lot of people noted that she's likely deflecting from her horrific leadership and lack of leadership and zero accomplishment service record. So this was a great way to get national attention and at the same time avoid ever having an honest discussion about the fact that her city is absolutely under fire. 
Um, we're seeing, you know, 48 shootings, uh, 10 deaths at least on a weekly basis in her city. And yet she's talking instead about um, prioritizing only black and brown journalists. Right. And, and I think there's a priority. reason for that. I think the, I think what you just described, her city is a train wreck. And coverage of her leadership in that city is going to be negative if you simply evaluate on an objective basis what it looks like. I wonder if she isn't thinking, I need positive press, and the only place I'm likely to get it is from people who look like me. I once said that, you know, not that I've broken any new ground here, Barack Obama wore his brown skin as a suit of armor. It literally repelled all criticism. If you criticize Barack Obama, you are a racist. And so I wonder if she's using her own ethnicity and her own, you know, status as a gay black woman thinking black journalists won't be likely to criticize me. They'll be more favorable, so I'll talk to them. Those white journalists might come for me, not because of my skin color, but because my city's a wreck, and this is my best way of avoiding that. Unquestionably. Uh, let's talk about, see, speaking of a wreck, uh, the state of Ohio economy is in a wreck, is a wreck rather. Uh, you know, it, it was not necessarily doing great before the pandemic. Since the pandemic, of course, it has gotten much, much worse. So many thousands and thousands of people put out of work. And now there are jobs available as the restrictions start to become lifted, not just here, but around the country. Jobs are available, but people don't want them because of the unemployment, uh, extensions and the supplementals they're given. People are making far too much money staying at home and watching, uh, binge watching netflix then going to work uh it's a problem any uh thoughts on that yeah i'm just thinking that we all knew this was just around the corner that we would have this crisis where the incentive would be just too good to leave your home because the government is floating and financing your lavish lifestyle um the democrats want to say they're bailing people out but the reality is they are digging a hole for them where their worst ethic is going to be decimated and our small businesses are paying the price they have paid the price over the last year and they're getting to a place where if they've managed to survive the disruption of the pandemic and the impeding implications of the overreach of policies they now no longer can even put together a workforce because the government has incentivized people by big cash payments to stay home and there's no you know there's no view of this being reversed um in ohio in a big way there's definitely no reverse across the country. However, I did see um, one state that gave me a little inspiration. It was Idaho, and they actually implemented return-to-work incentives. Can you even imagine when we have a workforce opportunity that is so robust that there are, you know, 50,000s of jobs in many states that aren't filled? You have to pay people, incentivize people to go take a job that's mm-hmm. willing to pay their paycheck and give them a biweekly stimulus check. But they've actually... Um, offset the negative impact of the 600 per week supplement last year, and they've incentivized to help local businesses and have actually paid a state bonus of 1500 Imagine if we were giving people a bonus to go back to work <laughs> instead of giving people a shot at a gambling lottery, hooking them on a bad habit, uh, <laughs> encouraging adolescents to gamble their personal health in a way that has not been long-term tested to win a lottery. Imagine if we were incentivizing good behavior in the state and just the way we would flourish compared to other states. But it's crazy to me that we could be where we are. That this is, and it's actually NFIB talked about this a little bit. They had a survey about a month ago, and it said that 
Job openings in February reached an all-time record high, with 40% of companies saying that they can't fill job openings. And that was a huge departure from what we saw in the recession of 2009, where it was only roughly 7%. We have a major crisis in this country. The next time we talk, Christine Hagan, we're going to have to talk about this in terms of what it really represents, and that is socialism. Give people an opportunity to get stuff for free from the government and watch their incentive to go work for themselves go right in the toilet. And that's literally what happens with socialism. Christina Hagan, terrific commentary as always. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. You too, Bob. Thanks. 10.53, final segment coming up. AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1057, our final segment, as always, is just a little bitty baby one, but it's good enough for a call or two. And I see my friend Lisa Woods from Medina County Friends and Neighbors on hold. Let's bring her on to the air. Good morning, Lisa Woods. How are you? Good morning. I am well. And i got to thank you for having the Hagans on. Every time you interview uh, Christina, she is so knowledgeable and well-rounded with her information for such a... You know, beautiful one, young gal, I'm just really impressed with her. And, of course, you know I served with her dad on the State Board of Education. Absolutely. And uh, I just think so, uh, so much of the Hagans. I do, too. But the Christina, reason- Christina, by the way, you know, the reason I started bringing her on is uh, we're Facebook friends, too. And she is so very well art, uh, articulated on so many different issues. Uh, she just gets hundreds of likes and comments on her on her posts, you know, and I just I said, you know what, why am I only interacting with her on Facebook? We got to bring her punditry <laughs> and her great political commentary to the airwaves because she's brilliant. She really is on so many different issues. And that's why she I, do is. It. So I take all the yeah. credit in the world for her presence. Easy, easy to understand. She's very, very good. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> well, the reason I'm calling is to let you know about tomorrow's meeting um, at McFan at the Thirsty Cowboy. We have, uh, you know, education is really uh, one of the hot topics right now, and Dakota Sawyer is a, um, a junior at Brunswick High School, and he has seen things that he wants to talk about. And most parents will talk to their kids and say, hey, how was your day at school? And, and they'll just say, just fine, or answer in like two words, and that's all you get. And you're, sometimes your own kids won't really tell you what's going on. Well, Dakota's willing uh, to show us all, uh, you know, what's really going on firsthand from a student's view. So we're really excited to have him. And also Michael Goldstein, our friend, uh, will be speaking on critical race theory as well. Wow, so, so it's a double header tomorrow. Yes. That's great. Dakota's terrific. Uh, what a bright young man. He's very inspiring, and it makes me feel good about the future to know people like him are out there. And Michael, of course, speaks for himself. That'll be great. We're out of time here. Real quick, uh, 8.30, right, tomorrow morning? 8.30 Thirsty at the Cowboy. Thirsty Cowboy at 71 and 18. Thank you. Have a great meeting, Lisa. Have a great weekend as well. Everyone, thank you for being a part of the show today, and we'll see you Monday. Be safe. Be free. Bye-bye.